Servant Leadership Podcast. It's great to have you with us today. Before we get started with our guests today, I'd like to just plug you in on a couple of events going on with the Servant Leadership Institute. The first thing I'd like to talk about is our 2018 annual conference that we'll be having in San Diego, California. So save the date, February 19th and 20th of 2018. And of course, as we always do, There'll be a networking event on February 18th in the early evening where you can get to know other people that will be attending the conference. So we look forward to seeing you all there. And we also would love it if you would visit our website and sign up for our weekly tips. These are things, suggestions we make to you to uh, help you in your servant leadership journey and help you to make a more cohesive team in your workplace. Well, my guest this morning is a favorite person of mine that I've known for quite a few years, and that is Melissa Budbarson. And Melissa heads up our employee engagement department for SLI, for Daytron World Communications, both those companies. And Melissa, it's nice to have you here today. It's great to be here. Thank you. Good, good. It's just super to see you as always. Um, You know, I got to confess that when I knew you were coming in today, um, I used Google and I put in what are the big issues facing human resources. And in return, up popped up probably the perfect article because it was titled, The Big Issues Facing HR. And that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. Not only those issues, but really look at them through a servant leader's lens. Um, as you know, we always are looking to be better servant leaders, yes. and uh, these are some really what uh, these are problems facing HR today, as described by SHRM, which is the Society for Human Resources Management. For those folks who don't know that, so the first one they talk about is stepped-up competition for talent. The article states that becoming that that this is becoming more challenging for companies to attract the best employees. Have you found this to be true? In some ways, yes. Mm-hmm. And not I feel like all of the candidates we bring in to interview, maybe not all the ones who submit resumes, but the ones yeah. we bring in to interview are our top talent. It's uh, figuring out if they're going to fit in our culture and be happy mm-hmm. here. Mm. Um, what do you think a servant-led organization then has to offer a prospective employee that maybe some other companies might not? The culture. Yeah. I mean, the culture is so different. Even when we have people come in to interview, they don't just meet with the hiring manager. They usually meet with a team of people, minimum three people. And so they not only get a, we not only get a good idea from different perspectives about the person. They get a good idea about Daytron and what it's like to work here and different employees' perspectives. And number one comment I get is, everyone's so happy, everyone's so friendly, and that's something they can see when they they walk through. 
Right. I remember, as just to fill people in, I was a manager uh, with Daytron for many years. And one of the things that I really thought was great was this aspect of it not just being one person interviewing a candidate or even that particular chain of responsibility. So me, my boss, my boss's boss. No, it was really an uh, what would we call it, an interdiscipline kind of approach. So a manufacturing person might be interviewing somebody who was going to be an engineer. Right. Um, And I found that to be really helpful as a hiring manager um, and just a smart thing to do to really get a full picture of that person. Yes. Yeah. And I should add to that, we also kind of contributed to the decision-making process, which... Yeah, and I I think hiring managers appreciate that because sometimes you think someone's the best, but you're really like, oh, I could use, you know, a backup opinion or or something like that. Or people see things that you don't see if you're, um, they have, there's that bias about similar bias. So if a candidate comes in and they're, you know, just like you and and you think they're great because you see yourself <laughs> yeah, in yeah. them. Yeah. And someone else may see, well, they're exactly like you and you really need someone who's going to fill these mm. gaps um, that you're, maybe aren't your strengths. And so getting that, those different perspectives, I think, helps find yeah. the, right, the yeah. right talent too. So now let's, let's turn that around a little bit. If you were a candidate who was looking for a new opportunity, what quant- kind of questions do you think people would be wise to ask a prospective employer and especially again in this servant-led kind of environment I think asking about the company culture you also need to know what kind of company culture you're going to be happy in so yeah know what you're looking for in that answer so ask each person you meet with if it's more than hopefully more than one person ask each person what they you know to describe the company culture and hopefully those all um, are similar responses and, and they're not opposite. Um, ask about the company values because that's mm. important. What does the company value? If it's just you know, profits and, and bottom line, then you might not be happy there because they don't value the people over the profits. Right. Um, also ask each person you meet with what they like about working there. You know, what attracted oh. them to that company and, and why they, how long they have they been there and why have they stayed as many years as they have? Yeah, that's a um, great question. And then, well, ask about the work-life balance. I think that's so important to people, not just the millennial generation that we talk about a lot, but everyone. I think work-life balance is, is important to everyone and figure out, you know, am I going to be expected to work 70 hours a week or is it closer to 40 like, you know, most people would, would hope and um, get a good sense of that. And then ask about um, growing and learning opportunities within the company. Not necessarily, you know, when am I going to get promoted next? You right. Know, but there's opportunities to grow and learn that don't necessarily come with promotions and title changes that can still enhance your skills and experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I think, I think at least in my generation, you didn't necessarily ask those questions. Right. You know, you become so focused on answering the questions that you're asked, you never think in terms of kind of turning the tables. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me in an interview situation, do you have any questions? 
And the answer is, well, no, I don't think so. I think, you know, we pretty much talked about it. But yeah. yet, a lot of those things I would never address. Yeah, candidates need to remember they're interviewing the company too. This yeah. is a two-way street. So yes, the organization is going to make the decision to make you an offer or not, but you need to know if you get that offer, is this really somewhere you want to be? Yeah, and genuinely in a servant-led organization, you know, I we want people to look at that yes. because we want the proper fit exactly. for people. Because there are there are going to be different expectations for them. And in a lot of ways, the bar is raised higher yes. than in a lot of places, for sure. So this article also goes on to talk about new developments in technology. And as technology grows, there's the ability to have more of a virtual workplace. And Daytron has employees who work remotely as well as a lot of international travel. So what kind of challenges have you found as you try to maintain that servant-led culture and, and build community among the employees? I think what's difficult about that is they're, they're not in the office every day, so they're not exposed to the culture and the little nuances that you can't really recreate over a conference call or Skype. And so it's important that they have managers and teams that communicate regularly, that mm. they're, they're not just emailing each other, that they're picking up the phone and having conversations yeah. and talking to one another, and that the manager is really checking in with those employees to make sure that everything is going well, that they feel like they're getting updates, uh, company updates, that they're in the loop, mm. even though they're out of the office. I know we have monthly meetings, monthly we call them monthly celebrations, and we um, do a go-to meeting and a conference call for all of our remote employees so they can see the presentation and they can call in and listen to what's being said. And usually it's just a few company updates and some happy birthday. Uh, but every right. once in a while there's, there's updates that uh, we want them to be able to access um, so that they feel informed and they feel like they're part of the, the organization. Yeah. If you had to do a report card, if you will, um, on those people working remotely and their interactions with the people in, in the main office... Do you feel like that's working well? Do you hear things that, that would communicate that to you? Or do you think there's issues sometimes with the fact that they're remote? I think a majority of our remote employees are in sales. And so right. they're used to working remote, whether yeah. it's they're on travel, even if they had an office here, they're traveling so much. Mm -hmm. And so I know the, the sales, VP of sales does a great job of keeping them all in the loop and making sure to, he's touching base with all of his employees. Um, we have one employee who's not a salesperson who um, is remote and she really likes it. She actually finds herself talking on the phone more to people um, now than when she was in the office because oh, she, yeah. she <laughs> has to make the effort to reach out and make the phone calls. So it, it also depends on the person because huh. if somebody's not going to make the effort and, and reach out, they could it could not work out for them. So that's part of that fit issue yes. that you had to look at, right? That's, in, that's very, very interesting. 
And, and to just continue along this mode, the uh, another point in this article that I found very interesting was what they call a rising sense of insecurity. And I would not have thought about this, but they're saying they're they're saying part of that insecurity is data breaches, along with maybe the more common one of workplace violence or social or political instability in the places that you do business. Have you seen any evidence of these concerns among the employees you serve? Well, workplace violence, definitely recently, I think there were four incidences that I'm aware of in the, yeah. in the U.S. Last, yeah. just last week. Right. And so it's always kind of in the back of my mind, but on the top of my mind. And employees do bring it up from time to time. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we know how we'll handle that? And, and yes, you can have a plan in place. Um, and hopefully we never have to deal with that. But obviously when an event like that happens, everything's not going to go perfectly. Right. Um, I think with that specifically, workplace violence, uh, that's where our culture is so important. And the way we treat our current and former employees is so important so that they feel respected and that we're a resource even listened to listened to uh, when we let people go I let them know you can call me next week you can call me next year if you have a question Mm. I will I will call you back I will answer your question just because you're not a current employee doesn't mean that I'm not going to be a resource for you yeah I'd really like to emphasize that that you just said, Melissa, that is so key. And also it is, that's a servant-led approach for sure, is keeping that door open for them, letting them know that we care, whether they're here or whether they're somewhere else. You know, that, that caring portion doesn't go away. Right. What about the you know, all this turmoil, you know, socially, politically, everything that's gone on over the last few months. Do you hear any of that from people, just their concerns or? I think after the recent election, someone brought up, oh, people may feel um, insecure about the, you know, immigration laws and that sort of thing. That may be an issue. I haven't heard a concern from someone who's actually concerned about it. It's a, oh, there might be this concern. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we do a really good job of keeping politics out of the office mm-hmm. for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people can feel like, okay, I'm going to work. I don't, I can kind of get away from this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my philosophy. Can right. <laughs> I have a place of, of peace and solace about it? And, you know, as far as the data breach, issued that one that one kind of surprised me that they even put it in the article and I guess that's because you know I I feel our IT department really works to protect us yes they do we have no idea how many people are right this moment or not people but entities are trying to break into our servers right now and so I think because our the data we have isn't you know, we're not a credit card company. We don't have right. that personal information, but people are still concerned about it. I know there was a few years ago there was an issue with a, a large healthcare provider that had their I remember system, that um, breach that we were that was our carrier, and so 
um, that was an issue, but um, I haven't had that come up, you know, in the workplace. Yeah. That yeah. Incident. Yeah. And that brings me to one that I think will really re- resonate with you and I both, and that's the demographic changes that we're seeing going on in the workplace. And, you know, population changes undoubtedly um, affect many aspects of employment and HR practices. You have aging workforce, you have different generations working together, the nature of family and parental roles that are changing, and cultural diversity. So are you feeling that pressure in your leadership role? And how do you think you're dealing with those kind of issues? You know, when the whole four generations in a workplace thing concept you know, came, came out, out yeah. probably 10 years ago of this is coming and what are we going to do? And and the older population is going to be so grumpy at the new, po- you know, the younger population. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I think that is part of our culture too, is that we, you know, everyone is a person. They're all qualified to do their job that they were hired for and we're going to respect each other. Um, I think the uh, more experienced employees want to share that knowledge with the younger or less experienced um, people in their departments. So there's that working together. Yeah. So I think, at least here, I think it's going really well. Yeah. The, um, I really see it because in, in my team, you know, there's quite a span of, well, there's probably every generation represented just within our, our small team. And so I really, um, and I think they will attest to this, I get very um, tired of hearing how we're supposed to be different and not celebrating the fact that we really do all want the same things. Right. And the millennial, for example, the things that they believe in are very, very close to the same things my generation um, was brought up with as far as, you know, caring about other people and, and looking for meaning and purpose, right. you know, in their lives. So, um, you know, I think it's time we started, it's my personal feeling, I think, we, I think it's time we started looking at how we are the same. Yes rather than so much how we're different. Yes, because one thing people forget is your generation are typically the parents of the millennials. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, those those values, it's not like yeah. they're far off yeah. um, from each other. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And what about, di- you know, diversity in other ways? I think we have, I mean, Daytron has an extremely diverse um, employee population, I would think, don't they? We do, not only culturally, but also, you know, a majority of our our workforce is in production, mm-hmm. um, assembly. The other large portion is in engineering. Two very different groups of people. Yeah. Um, and so it's figuring a way to work with those two very different sets of people with different motives, different priorities, different things that motivate them, and stay in one company. Mm-hmm. So really trying to keep keep that on top of mind. Yeah. Do you, are there certain ways, you know, when you plan various activities, events, that kind of thing, do you, do you 
plan them kind of with those things in mind? Yes and no. So when, yeah, if we're planning a company-wide event and we're thinking about a theme, we're kind of thinking of, you know, all the, all the different cultures, all the different things people like and, and looking at it from that perspective as well as making sure we're not going to offend anyone with anything. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is really difficult to do. <laughs> um, it's not. It really isn't because people here are very, very friendly. But, right. But from um, the standpoint of diversity, yes. you have a lot to keep in mind, yes. you know, to make sure that you aren't offending anybody. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the, and different cultures, you know, people are more boisterous. Others are more quiet. And so you just kind of got to keep that in mind, especially when you're asking for participation in, in different things, trainings and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I can definitely see, I mean, just if I look at these, at the things this particular article chose to highlight, and this wasn't everything um, that the article talked about, but you've really got to be the, the uh, master of all things here. Do you ever get that feeling like, oh, this is just all too much for me? Sometimes, not so much anymore. I was just a department of one. Now I have, you know, someone else. Right. So, um, but yeah, at times you feel that way. And how has that changed things for you? I, I did want to ask you that because I know you've recently had an addition to your department. And what's that meant for you? And, and what have you had to maybe change in light of that? I have to delegate now and <laughs> and while, while that sounds amazing it's also um a little bit difficult it's a change in my mindset and yeah. something I've been working on and um you know passing things on and I find um I'll look and be like oh I need to get to that I need to get to that and oh I can just pa I can pass this on to you know Annette I don't have to do everything myself so getting getting out of that mindset and it's I think I'm doing a good job, but it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a process. It is. It's definitely difficult. I mean, I, I've been through that as well. And there's not only the aspect of, oh, I have someone I can delegate this to. Now it's, it's also thinking in terms of how do I equip her yes. or him to be able to do what it is I'm asking them to do. So am I explaining it the right way? Am I providing the tools they may need to be able to do it? You know, am I sure that I gave them parameters like I need it by this particular time frame, And being very clear about that. Yes. Um, and that's tough to, to learn. Yes, as well as letting go. So <laughs> the last yeah. eight years I've done it this way. But there's a different way. As long as it gets done, it doesn't really matter the process. That's that's really key because I think a lot of us as leaders, um, you know, we take pride in our work, of course. We love our jobs. We want things to, you know, be done correctly. And we have a certain way of doing that. Yes. And it's really growth. It really takes some growth to be able to accept, I think, somebody doing it a different way mm -hmm. and coming up with you know the same good result yes. yeah that's that's interesting so what would you say in closing I always like to ask people this question and that is what is the biggest challenge you're facing right now you can only pick one <laughs> 
I think the biggest challenge I'm facing right now is what we just discussed, the mm. moving out of the tactical day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. transitioning those items to my new department employee and getting into more of a strategic role and not letting myself get pulled back into those tactical mm -hmm. items because I've been the go-to person here right. with HR questions. It's I want to just serve and help you, but it's going to help people better if I move them to Annette. So right. when they come to me actually saying, let's, let's go talk to Annette. She can help you with that. Even though I know I could do it, I really need to, you know, transition that. So that's my biggest challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So the other part of that equation is that the rest of us need to be willing to make that transition as well. Yes and honor the fact that, oh, Melissa has this other person now, maybe I need to ask my questions in a different way. Like, you know, can I take this to Annette, Melissa? Right. <laughs> um, or just going to Annette and asking her, you know, is this something that you can handle for me? Or should go to Melissa kind of yeah. thing? Just being cognizant of the fact that you're trying to make that transition I think is important for all of us. Well, thank you so much for being here. As always, it was a joy to talk to you. And um, and I'm really glad that your department is expanding after all this time. That's super. And we want to thank the rest of you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And we look forward to the next time when we meet for the Servant Leadership Podcast. Bye.